Hey, my friend. Do you hear the sweet Italian music in the background? <laughs> and the people. I'm in a coffee shop trying to work out what were originally some technical issues with this week's episode. But in praying about it, I really, it's been on my heart to pull back an episode, which I've never done. I've never pulled in an, an old episode from a previous season, but it has been on my heart to bring this one called Hearing God in Words of Knowledge back from season two. So that's what I'm doing. This is actually one that some of you may have heard previously, but it's been a while. So I have a feeling most of you have not heard this episode, Um, but it is a good precursor for next week where I'll be interviewing Alan Chapin. I'm super excited. It's going to be a great episode. He shares about his book called Listen, where he shares about his journey and invites you into your own journey of learning to hear God's voice every day in a way that will change your life. So I think my technical issues are actually somewhat God-ordained so that you can hear this one in prep for next week. So this episode, Hearing God's Voice and Words of Knowledge, is basically when you get a bit of information from the Lord about somebody or a situation that allows you to intervene and bring hope, bring encouragement, bring restoration. It's great for your own life and for ministering to others. So let's dive in. No time wasted. This is going to be a great episode. See you on the other side. Hi, you're listening to Java with Jen with your host, Jenna Lee Samuel. On this show, I bring the simplicity of hearing God's voice into everyday life in a no-nonsense, authentic, and super practical way. With coffee in hand and real life in our faces, let's do this. I love, 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 love Sean Bowles because he has this way of taking the oogly boogalies of the prophetic and making it very simple and very um, not oogly boogly, very practical, very uh, approachable, very relatable. And um, I think some sometimes in the past, the prophetic has been made a little not that. And so he grew up in the Christian church and he hated when people were really like freaky about stuff. And so he makes it very approachable and he he moves powerfully in prophetic words. He'll call out your security number and your address. And so let me read this story and you'll see. Okay. A simple goal of love. I was sitting next to a man on a plane ride to Australia. So I struck up a conversation with him and found him to be very engaging, even though he was a little distracted. We talked about life and family and careers. He was working for oil companies and this was his last month traveling the globe. He was particularly fascinated by our work against human trafficking and had not heard of the current research or grassroots efforts by groups like ours. He was very touched. At one point, he got up and went to the bathroom, and that's when I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit. He hasn't told you the whole truth. He's not working for oil companies, but is the air marshal. I want to encourage him about his retirement, which is coming fast. I also heard a word of knowledge and got his wife's name, the place he always wanted to visit in Europe in his retirement, and knowledge about his daughter who was pregnant with complications. I was so overwhelmed that when he got back, I didn't know what to say. He initiated though, not knowing what he was inviting and started writing about God. He said, you're talking about your relationship with God and how you felt called to do what you were doing. How did you know you were called? I loved the lead into my word for him. I began to explain how real Jesus is and how he has so much love for us and is present in our lives. Then I asked him if I could share with him some things I felt God was showing me in order to encourage him. He was very excited and said, yes. Now, Sean says to him, he told me you're the air marshal and that your wife's name is Patricia. He also told me that he wants what you want more than you ever wanted it. 
like going to the Italian vineyards in southern Italy when you retire. He also told me about your daughter, Anna, and how she's pregnant but experiencing difficulties and how you prayed and asked him to help her. You told him you would do anything if he would just help her, and he wants to help her more than you do, and she and her baby are going to be okay. He had tears in his eyes the whole time, and when I talked about his daughter, tears streamed down his face. He was gripping both seat handles intensely and said, I am not the air marshal. <laughs> I laughed because he had just received a direct communication from God that impacted him deeply, and he was trying to cover his bases about his job. Well, is anything else true about what I, what I said? Yes, all of it, he said, but I'm not the air marshal. He was covering again. I just laughed because I knew he was, but thought maybe he was required to say this. We prayed together and exchanged information, and when the rest of the passengers got off the plane, he stayed behind. I didn't get to say goodbye because he went up into the cockpit. When I was at baggage claim, I felt a hand on my shoulder. I turned around, and it was my new friend. He said, I can't believe God showed you I was the air marshal. <laughs> I, I had to go because I had to go and do a background check on you before I talked to you. That was amazing that God showed you all of that. I want to hear from God like that. I feel like everything is right in my world again. What a statement. I knew that he had never felt more loved and connected to God than at that moment. And I knew both of us would never be the same. So exciting, right? So that's the whole point. That's the point of the prophetic. That's the point of a word of knowledge. It's it's oftentimes we can get caught up in feeling pressure, feeling like we got to perform, feeling like we're not a good Christian if we can't encourage people like this, you know. But the bottom line is it's just about encouraging and speaking life into those things that God wants to speak into. So first of all, your first blank right here is what is a word of knowledge? <clears throat> What is a word of knowledge? The word of knowledge is simply the Holy Spirit transmitting his specific knowledge to you on something that you would have no ability. That's that second blank. No ability or means to be able to know about with your own limited intelligence and knowledge levels. It is supernatural knowledge and insight being given directly to you by the Holy Spirit himself, not by your own mind or your own intelligence. Many times, and this is how I see a word of knowledge, many times a word of knowledge is simply the insight that opens the door to encouragement, comfort, or wisdom for someone's life from the Lord. It offers validity to your voice. If you think about many times in scripture, and I'm going to get into right here the difference between a word of knowledge and a prophetic word. Um, in fact, in the in the gifts in First Corinthians 12, it talks about the difference between a word of wisdom and a word of knowledge. So a word of knowledge is when you have insight about something you could not have known, a fact, um, an emotion, whatever it is, you have insight into something specific. Uh, a word of wisdom is when God gives you his wisdom for how they are to handle a situation or a decision or whatever. It's a it's the, the word of knowledge frequently opens the door for the conversation and the word of wisdom will oftentimes follow through. So in this, the word of knowledge was he knew he was an air marshal. He knew his wife's name. He knew that he likes to go to Italy. He knew the daughter was having complications. But the wisdom and the encouragement was that the Lord wanted to assure him, your daughter's going to be OK. You're going to enjoy your time in Italy on your retirement. You know what I mean? The Lord brought comfort along with that word of knowledge. And so that's what the word of knowledge does. It opens the door and offers validity. Jesus gave lots of words of knowledge. He would 
the like the woman, um, the Samaritan woman. Yeah, the woman at the well. He knew about all of her husbands. But just the fact that he had the information, it impressed her, but then it positioned her heart in faith so she could receive his instruction of healing and freedom, right? Because then he was like, go and sin no more. Like, go and be free. He wanted to set her free. And so word of knowledge is a doorway to minister to people. It shows them you're actually hearing from God. So insight, um, word of knowledge versus prophetic word. Insight versus foresight. Insight, insight is usually you're, you're seeing into their heart, into their situation for now or even the past. Foresight is when you're seeing into their future. You're having foreknowledge about what may be coming. So, for example, yesterday when I had the insight that I had about the election numbers, that was actually foresight because we haven't seen it start to play out yet. And thankfully, we haven't seen any chaos yet. We're going to be praying that there's peace that reigns over the nation. But if that does play out, that was foresight. And so, um, okay, so the definition of a word of knowledge or insight is penetrating mental vision or discernment or your faculty of seeing into inner character or an underlying truth. So the ability to have insight into something. Colossians 2.3 says, In Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge in Christ, right? And we've been told that we're hidden in Christ, right? So we have access to all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. John 4.29, the Samaritan woman, we gave that example. John 1.43-51, when Jesus saw Nathaniel, off sitting under the tree. He actually didn't see him physically. He saw him by the spirit because he was off. It was a different time, different location. And Nathaniel was like, how do you know who I am? He said, I saw you when you were sitting under the fig tree. And he was like, oh my gosh, you are the son of God. And Jesus was like, that's all you needed. <laughs> um, so that was, that was insight. <clears throat> and when Jesus answered the Pharisees thoughts, many times they would whisper among themselves or they would think to themselves and Jesus would speak to their thoughts, right? That's insight. So prophetic foresight or prophetic word or foresight is a knowledge or insight gained by or as by looking forward a view to the future. So when Jesus predicted his death, that was foresight. When Jesus predicted Peter's denial or Judas's betrayal, all of that was foresight. Why does this matter? <laughs> it helps people understand that they are loved by God and that he thinks of them. It's so simple. And I, I have done a lot of thinking. Why is that so powerful to people? And I have found that at the core of every human, no matter the race, the gender, the age, demographic, doesn't matter. Every human craves to be seen, to be heard, and to know that they are valuable, to know that they matter. I see you. I hear you. You matter. That's what all of us crave. At the bottom of all relationship problems, one of those or many of those are not being satisfied. You don't see me. You don't hear me. I don't matter to you. That's at the bottom of every relationship problem. When people have issues with God, it's because they believe he doesn't see them. He doesn't hear them. They don't matter to him. And so a word of knowledge, prophetic word, speaks right to the pain of that lie and says, oh, but God does see you. Here's what he says about you. You didn't know God knew that, did you? <laughs> you know, and so it's just it's so cool. It's so life changing. It's so life changing. And it's and that that one moment can be so powerful <laughs> because suddenly when you pierce the darkness of that lie in their life, suddenly they realize if God does see me, God does know me, 
Now all these scriptures and promises become something they could potentially believe for. It can change the whole direction of somebody's life. So I put on Facebook earlier, we randomly will have college students be like, hey, you had a prophetic word for me years ago and this is how it changed my life. And um, and so I had asked, because I, I can never remember because they're always fuzzy. Um, you know, after you give them, you can forget them easily. And so this one, where did she go? <clears throat> Shay sent me this. Um, she was in our college ministry years ago and we still disciple them. But she said, I had given her husband, and I hadn't met them before this. They were just in the service. They were new faces. So I had given her husband, Eric, a word about him not trusting the church. Um, she said she doesn't remember exactly what it was. But the first first was for her, and I said, God sees you, and he has not forgotten about you. And she says, what no one knew was I was jealous of the calling on my husband's life. I could see that God had potential in Eric's life. And she said, you told me specifically that I don't have to be jealous of Eric. And from that, I, you went on into not only that I was going to be a mother in the natural, but God has called me to be a spiritual mother and that women would be drawn to me. And she said, I hadn't told anybody that I was jealous of my husband because it sounded so wrong. But she said, you said specifically, you don't need to be jealous of him ever. And she was like, it changed my life. And then apparently she brought a friend. I, I forgot about this. She said, I, uh, I have one you gave a friend that I brought to release. She said, I'm not sure if these fall more into a prophetic word, but she had just gotten fired for stealing money from our job. And I felt like I needed to bring her to meet Jesus because everyone had turned on her for what she did. She said, I don't remember every detail, but you told her that you see a coal turning into a diamond. And you gave her an illustration of how that happens with pressure and for her to keep moving forward, that God was not done with her, but was working in her. And she said it like changed her life. And I was like, that's amazing because those aren't like mind-blowing prophetic words not like I knew their social security number or something you know what I mean but it was still like when God speaks to a pain point that's happening in your life in that moment it can change the direction of things because it uproots lies in our thinking okay so here's some examples of words of knowledge some personal applications or moments where we might need to pull on God's wisdom for a word of knowledge for our life <clears throat> If you're a student, how to solve a math problem at school. You don't know what to do. That's how my husband got through school. He had God help him take his test. Um, how to solve a specific problem at your place of employment. I've heard of people having dreams where God gave them answers to things they were unsure about at work and it solved problems. Where you have misplaced your car keys. How many of us have been there? <laughs> um, knowledge on what a certain scripture may mean or how it can apply to your personal life. Um, how to properly witness to an unsaved family member. You can speak to their pain point rather than just sounding like a religious, obnoxious person, right? Um, how to solve a marital dispute. God, tell me what's going on. And kind of like I gave that example last week, and the Lord showed me exactly how to pray for my husband, and it brought us some breakthrough. That was a word of knowledge I needed. Um, how to start up a new business. Yes. Um, where to look for that next new job if you've just been laid off. Where God want, who God wants you to marry in this life, uh, what your specific calling in the Lord is going to be, or a word of knowledge that God wants to heal someone of a specific illness. Okay, those are all examples. Obviously, it doesn't cover everything, um, but they're all just very simple examples of how you could personally seek the Lord for a word of knowledge. For other people <laughs> in parenting, like when my, <laughs> when my boys were little, this is great, when my boys were little, all three of them come running in. Shiloh was a baby. And they're all like, 
pointing like this. He did it. He did it. You know, he lied. And so like everyone's saying opposing information and someone did it. No one's admitting it. Right. And so they were very convincing, all of them. And so I was like, dang, I don't know what to do. So I just said, okay, boys, the Holy Spirit knows who did it. So I'm going to listen to the Holy Spirit real quick and I'll get back with you. So I just closed my eyes. I was like, Holy Spirit, what's going on? And he was like, I was so grateful he talked. Um, And he said, he said, your oldest is trying to cover the truth. It's so great. The Lord didn't call him a liar, didn't say he lied. He just said he's trying to cover the truth. And so I said, okay. So I opened my eyes and I said, hey, Judah, he's like six or something. I said, hey, buddy, the Lord told me that you're trying to cover the truth. And he goes, I did it. (laughs) And I was like, so from then on, anytime that any of them, I just said, do I need to ask Holy Spirit or can you be honest? Because if I have to ask him, you get in double the consequences. And they were like, okay, I did it. You know, they're like, and then when there was a fight, they'd be like, mom, just ask the Holy Spirit because he's not going to admit it. You know, it was really funny. But so parenting works out in parenting Uh, for lost things. There actually is cities in the world where when children go missing, if there's a strong that I've heard of, I can't remember the names of the cities, but there's specific cities where they'll call on the church and say, have your prophets pray. We need to know where this child is. And the prophets will get insight, word of knowledge about where the children are, and they help the police force solve crimes. Yes, please, kingdom of God on the earth. Um, <clears throat> national importance, praying for America, like you were talking about. We had, I think, uh, just a couple, I think I told you guys this, a couple of weeks ago, I was in my Tuesday morning prayer where we pray for the nation as well. And uh, I didn't know anything about the judges on Hillary Clinton's case. I I didn't even know there was more than one. I didn't know anything about it. All I knew after listening to the radio was there was three and two were appointed by Obama. That's all I knew. So we went into prayer and suddenly I'm having this vision and I see this black man with kind of a baldish head. And um, and I sensed a number of things about him that he that he. Uh, I saw like this vein of righteousness, real like a thin string going down his core. And that 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 root of righteousness in his heart was. Did I tell you guys this? Okay, okay. That this root of righteousness that he had that he had been over Hillary's case, that he was appointed by Obama, and that this root of righteousness was troubling him in his sleep because turns out he had decided that those emails could stay concealed, and he was being troubled that he had distorted the course of justice in the America. So I saw this. And so I didn't know this, but like the, all the guys in the group were like, hey, four weeks ago, we saw something very similar, but you weren't here. And I was like, oh, OK. But I felt like he was going to try to rectify what he had distorted. And I felt like a woman in his early years had been responsible for that root of righteousness in him. I go home and Google who he was. And he looked just like I had seen. He was appointed by, by President Obama. Um, and he was the one who de- who made the de- declaration that the emails would be concealed. And apparently he was raised by a single mother. And so after seeing all this, it just brought so much confirmation. I don't know how it'll end. I don't even know how he'll respond to things. But we saw in Jeremiah last week that the Lord says that to Jeremiah, he said, you have seen correctly. And now I will hasten my word to perform it. And when we see what God is saying and we decree it, he hastens his word to perform it. And that's how... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I prayed for him. And I just I came in agreement with what the Lord was showing me. And I called on that root of righteousness. And I was like, God, you trouble him in his sleep and you give him the courage to make it right. And so and then the Lord showed me stuff about Hillary Clinton and about her childhood and about Bill Gates and his childhood. And so 
in prayer, we can use those words of knowledge to help us to pray strategically for people of influence in our nation. And so, and God is the one responsible for sending the angels. Very cool. Very exciting. Um, so for business, witty inventions, problem solving, um, loving others, obviously. So these are all purposes of words of knowledge. <clears throat> Some scriptural support for this is 1 Corinthians 12, 8 says to one there is given through the spirit of the message of wisdom and to another the message of knowledge by the same spirit. So the spirit of God is where this words of knowledge come from. You have the spirit of God. You have access to these words of knowledge. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. He promises to give you words of knowledge if you'll just take the time to seek him. Isaiah 55, 8 through 11, he talks about how his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. But yet we also see in 1 Corinthians 2, 16, says, who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things for we have the mind of Christ. And so we know in Romans also, Romans 7, Romans 8, 26 through 28, that it says, who knows the mind of a man or the, or the heart of a man or the spirit, except for the spirit of that man. So it is no one knows the heart and mind of God except the spirit of God. So all these passages pointing to we have the mind of Christ. You have the ability to think with the thoughts of God. Uh, number three, how do we begin to operate in this? Because I know everyone's saying, tell me how to do it. Uh, first, praying in tongues is one of your most powerful ways to do this. Why? Because you activate words of knowledge because what the spirit does, right? The spirit, Romans 8, 26 no one knows the thoughts and heart of a man except the spirit of that man. So it is no one knows the thoughts or heart of God except the spirit of God. And so when you pray in the spirit, you are building up your spirit man and you're getting it in connection and in tune with the voice and the mind of God. <clears throat> and so as you do that, and you even, Paul even says, when you pray in a tongue, ask that you would interpret and understand that tongue so that your mind may be fruitful. And so frequently when I'm praying in tongues, I'll say, Lord, I need you to give me insight. What am I praying about? Give me revelation. And John Bevere, back when I was in college, he used to come to our Bible school. So I wrote him an email and I was like, John, I really would like to write books. I don't know how to write books. How do you write books? And he says, well, he wrote back and he was like, what I do is I sit at my computer and I pray in tongues for an hour or so until something starts to bubble up. And then I start writing. I was like, yeah, I wish it was that easy. But I mean, that's where he starts. You know what I mean? That's obviously not the whole process, but that's where he starts. And so praying in tongues is a great way to activate and get in connection with God's spirit and God's mind. Secondly would be ask for words of knowledge and listen for them. That's your blank is listen. A was pray in tongues. B is ask for words of knowledge and listen for them. And this is obviously going on the assumption that you do pray in tongues. If you do not pray in tongues, I encourage you to ask the Lord to baptize you in the spirit where you would pray in tongues. Um, that is also in scripture, but I don't have time to get into all that. <laughs> so if you have questions about that, just come see me. First um, John 5, 14 through 15 says, and this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we ask of him. How many of you would say it is God's will that I operate in words of knowledge? Absolutely. If it can break people free, 
that's the assignment we've been given, right? And so it says here, if you're asking according to my will, which it is, you will have what you have asked of him. And so we see you have the mind of Christ. You have the spirit of God. You have his permission to operate in words of knowledge. He promises to tell you things you don't know. So all we got to really do is take the time to listen and develop that sensitivity, right? See, how do we operate in this? Your prayer life is essential. That is where we take the time to listen. Your prayer life. Mm -hmm. If you're not praying, it's going to be very hard to get accurate words of knowledge. Because if you don't have a prayer life where you're regularly activating your own spirit, you're probably going to be operating more primarily in your soul, which is your own will, mind, thoughts, and emotions. And that's not where we get prophetic insight. We don't get prophetic insight from our own soul. We get prophetic insight from God's spirit. And so praying and spending time in the word and in his spirit is how we make sure we're hearing from him and not making stuff up. <laughs> but that's okay. Even if you make stuff up and you step out on it, you'll figure it out very soon. <laughs> you made it up. So lastly, another way to operate in the words of knowledge is to choose to love the people. That's your blank. Love the people that we are prophesying over. One thing that Sean Bowles suggests is he says, borrow from the bank of love that you have towards someone else. So like if I'm facing someone that I don't know, I'm not going to naturally have a lot of love for them. Right. Because I'm just like, hey, stranger, I've got no investment in you right now. Um, but I can borrow from. Maybe they remind me of my mother and I lean into the affection I feel for my mother. I can transpose that love and affection over this person so that I can open up God's heart over their life. So I can I can borrow from my love that I easily have for other people to 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 speak into other people's lives. And that's until we develop the uh, capacity to love all people and really feel the father's heart for all people. So you can. Okay, so Sean says um, in the Old Testament, you got stoned as a prophet for getting the word wrong, correctly or correct? Well, in the New Testament, you don't get stoned for words you get wrong. You get stoned, if you will, when you don't love well. In other words, in the New Testament, for those of you who weren't here, a prophet is known by his fruit in the New Testament, and that is the fruit of the Spirit. And so your character is what tells if you're of the right spirit or not, not necessarily the accuracy of your word. And that's not a license to just go, you know, floozy doozy with your words, but the Holy Spirit communicates differently with us now because he lives inside of us and we're all developing the ability to hear his voice. So there's a learning curve. Okay. Four, what do we do when we miss it? Bing, bing. She goes ahead of me. Uh, remember, if the goal is love, then you only actually miss it if you let the opportunity pass you by by not loving that person. That's, that's the only way you truly, truly miss it. Obviously, we want our word to be accurate. I can give you an exa example of my own failure. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was up on the stage singing, and there's this woman that I saw in the back, and she just was so highlighted to me. And I was like, okay, Lord, you have a word for her, whatever. And so I felt like I had this word form in my heart. So after service, I went and hunted her down. And I was like, hey. And she looked at me, and she was like, terrified. I was like, what? I wanted to pet her. It's okay. Um, but I was like, hey, I just felt like the Lord just highlighted you to me in service. And I just feel like I had a word for you. Can I share it? She was like, okay. And so I shared it with her. And I was like, does any of that resonate? And she was like, no, not at all. And I was like, oh, well, okay, that's all right. But I'm glad you're here. I hope you enjoyed the service. And I think you're going to enjoy.
enjoy being here, you know, and I tried to like just love on her and like cover the awkwardness of the moment. And then, you know, I just said goodbye. <clears throat> so it's a little bit embarrassing, but, but, but I don't know. She and she could have, yeah. it, it could have been something she clicked with later. You never yeah, know. Exactly. And you make a great point to remember that in, in moments that are awkward or uncomfortable. And even Prophet Phil has talked about this. He got a word of knowledge where he called out someone's name and, and he was talking to this woman. He's like, I hear, I hear Jeffrey or whatever it was. And she was like, no, no, Jeffrey, you know, and then he's like, well, okay. And later she goes home and he was like, someone with the heart, the heart issues, like, no, she goes home that night and her husband's middle name is Jeffrey and he has heart issues. And so she had told the prop, she told Prophet Phil, no, that's not me, when all along it really was. And so, you know, people, we forget things. So in those moments when you think you've missed it, take heart. It's, it could have been right. You know, it could have been right and you just may never know. The point isn't so much did you get it, nail it? The point is, did you obey God and take the risk? And did you love on that person? That is a successful word. Did you listen to the Lord? And did you love on that person? And of course, if you have a higher margin of error than you have of success, you probably want to develop a new technique of learning. Maybe not with people so like try some safer learning and I'll get into that. Um, <laughs> try some safer learning. That's a little less risky. Um, but if you do miss it, letter B is apologize, own it and continue with your mission to love them. Sean shared uh, about a time when he missed it. Sean shared about a time that he missed it. And because he continued to love on the guy, he was like, hey, you know, I feel like God is. I'm, 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 I have a spiritual, what did he say? A spiritual impression. I'm a Christian. I have a spiritual impression. And I felt this about you. Um, and, and he was like, is, does any of that make sense? And the guy was like, no, not really. And Sean was like, oh, well, uh, okay. You know, but then the guy was like, but I've always wanted to meet a Christian who thought they could hear from God. Can you talk to me about your God? And so he was like, well then, you know, and because he kept his heart open and he, didn't get all awkward about his failure. He was able to lead the guy to the Lord. And so even in our failed prophetic words, God can still make it good if we stay in love because God can use love to do all the ministry that needs to happen. Right. Some so anyways, then I go into resources down here. I listed all the prophets, not all, there's more I can think of, but a lot of prophets that I know of that are um, reputable and trustworthy. And so now, just because they're on their list, on this list, doesn't make them flawless. Um, so always, always, always keep in mind they're human. Um, but these are people who have been around for years. Their ministries are fruitful. And, and I mean, if you guys wanted to, yeah, a number of these guys also have trainings. Um, Sean Bowles and Chris Volatin for sure. Uh, Kim Clement did. I don't know if he still does now that he's passed. Jeremiah Johnson has ministry training. Um, I know Rick Joyner. No, sorry. Uh, who is it? John Paul Jackson. He has lots of different ministry trainings as well. Courses you can take online. And honestly, if you don't want to sign up for a whole course, just go stalk them on YouTube. They've got lots of resources on YouTube. Um, so anyways, let me. Okay, let's get into activation. What time is it? Thanks so much for tuning in to today's show. Listen, let's stay connected. Come follow me on Instagram at Java with Jen, where you can follow the latest and say hey. 
it's a really great way to stay in touch. Many of you have also asked how you can support the show. You can make donations through the Anchor app or on Patreon, or of course, by sharing, rating, and reviewing on social media and iTunes as well. Your heartfelt feedback always reminds me why I do this. Also, don't miss our merch store where you can get super cool Java with Jen swag and coffee. Find it at javawithjenmerch.com. Until next time, remember, hearing God's voice is simple and he wants to be a part of your everyday life. See you next week.